Hello everyone, it's Dave here. As you're about to listen to 56, you may realize there's been a lot of shuffling going on with the show. This was originally slated to be the first of a rainy day series of episodes, and then made a last-minute decision to make it an all-email episode. Well, the all-email episode backfired on me. There were some editing snafus, and by that you are free to interpret user error on Dave's part, because you would be accurate. So, I reshuffled everything, and we are going to proceed with the four rainy day episodes. I'm going to even add one that I had sitting in the back for a rainy day on top of the rainy day. So, actually, the rainy day episodes are serving their purpose, and I do plan on getting that all-email episode out. At this stage, it's looking like episode 60 or 61. So I do apologize for that. Again, rainy day episodes, that's what they're here for. So over the next four weeks, enjoy these. I will be back with episode 61, and we will continue our dialogue via email. And once again, I do apologize for all the scrambled shuffling I've done this week. Best laid plans and all that, so I apologize. So, without further ado, here is episode 56 of Dave's Daredevil Podcast. Please feel free to get your hankies out. You are listening to a special rainy day episode of Dave's Daredevil podcast in which Dave leaves the pages of Daredevil's solo title for an emotional short story with a lot to say. Welcome to Dave's Daredevil Podcast. I am your host, J. David Weeder. You can call me Dave. And this is a special rainy day episode all about Marvel's Man Without Fear, Daredevil. What is a rainy day episode? Well, for me, to keep the show on a certain production lead time, I've packed back a few episodes to use should I not be able to produce an episode that week. Now, these aren't necessarily recorded on rainy days, but more in free time. If I have a free afternoon, hey, let's pop out an extra episode as a backup plan. But as it happens, I'm actually recording this particular instance on an actual rainy day. Could it be more appropriate? With these episodes, I'm going to be using stories and topics that don't necessarily fit into the normal ebb and flow of the week-to-week episodes. Sometimes they're oddities, sometimes they're really good stories that I found elsewhere beyond the normal Daredevil title. This week is very much that special story I found by complete accident. We're going to be looking at a short story from Marvel Fanfare, which, if you're not familiar with that, was an anthology title. It was solicited directly to comic shops, aimed directly at fans, used uh, as many upper-crust creators and stories as they could. It was printed without ads, extra size, extra cost, and it was printed on paper that's, well, known as Baxter paper. It's thicker paper. It absorbs the color much, much better. Just a gorgeous book. Now, to be clear, I'm actually reading it from digital, so I don't know about the paper quality, but most Baxter books I've seen have retained their beauty. They're a piece of art. This week's story is very emotional. It's kind of a rough story, a hard story, but it says a lot. I came across this Marvel fanfare issue when I was just scanning for Daredevil appearances that didn't necessarily fit into the norm. Not necessarily to do this episode, but I just happened to be just looking around. And as soon as I read it, just the emotional reaction it brought to me it made me feel like I needed to share it. It hit me right in the feels. It blew me away. So whenever you have a story that affects you like that, that fits right into, well, the kind of podcast you do, 
You put fingers to keyboard and mouth to microphone and you bring it to the people. So I will warn you up front, once again, it's a very emotional story. It's a very hard story at parts, but it says things that I feel are important. So I'm going to play a quick podcast promo, and then I'm going to return to talk about Marvel Fanfare number seven. Hey, Paul, what's up? Ah, not much. What's going on? I'm, I'm just a little confused lately. I yeah, What else is new? Well, you know, m- more than usual. I tried to go to get the shows that we just put up, and I was having problems finding them. Well, we having trouble finding Well, I couldn't find Back to the Bins. I couldn't find... Avengers Spotlight. Of course, you can only find those when I actually edit them. <clears throat> and, um, <laughs> oh, you took but, the words you know, right out of my mouth. They, they were on the feed, Bill. Yeah, I know. That's where I went. I went to the feed, but they weren't there. Yeah, no, you got to go to the feed. You got to go to the Back to the Bins feed. The Back to the Bins feed? What's yeah, that? Back to the Bins feed. You got to go to iTunes. You look for, look up Back to the Bins, and you subscribe to the Back to the Bins feed. But I went to Two True Freaks. Yeah, we're on that feed, too. What? Where? On the feed. Okay, wait a minute, wait a minute. So you're saying that we're on... All right, so if I wanted to go find the shows that we've done, I'm going to go on to iTunes, and I'm going to click on Back to the Bins, and I'll find Back to the Bins and Avengers Spotlight in the feed. Exactly. I don't even know what I'm talking about! Bill, you go to the feed. You subscribe to the show. You subscribe to whichever show you want, and then you get it. It's that what simple. Sh- you just got to go to the feed. What show do I want? Back to the Bins. Where? And Avengers Spotlight. Oh, I'm so confused. They're on iTunes. They're on TwoTrueFreaks.com. You want them, uh, you get them. They're you all got them? You. All the oh. shows are there. They're still all available, Bill. All right, on the so... Feed. The feed. If you say feed one more time, I'm going to break your arm. Oh. Scott, could you tell him... Hey man, don't don't drag me into this because uh, it's no skin off my ass. I'm on all the feeds. <laughs> Bastard. And we are back to cover Marvel Fanfare number seven, which has a March 1983 cover date. The front cover actually belongs to the Hulk, who has the first story. Daredevil story is actually a ten-page backup. That's right, ten pages. But you can pack a lot of punch into ten pages. Daredevil takes over the back cover, and the back cover depicts Daredevil's sad face overlaid on an image, well, quite a few images, a hodgepodge image, but primary focuses are on a young boy and his dog in the headlights of a car, and next to Daredevil's face is a hypodermic needle. It's oddly misleading in a way that will become clear as we get into the end of the story. To give you a little bit of context, this issue came out following the Frank Miller run, and the aesthetics of the story are drawn from that same noir crime element that Miller brought to the table. But the story itself is surprising, and again, for the last time, an emotional read. The story is entitled Bless the Beasts and Children, which is the same title as a 1970 novel by Glendon Swarthout, or A Carpenter's Song, which was actually the title song from the movie adaptation of the same novel. The story is written by Bill Mantlow, with art by George Freeman, letters by Annette Kowecki, colors by Glennis Ween. It is reprinted in one physical form, which is the Marvel Fanfare Strange Tales trade paperback, And it is exclusively available beyond that in Marvel Digital Unlimited. Jumping into the first half of this story. On the streets of New York, things can escalate fast. One moment all is well, and the next a Daily Bugle delivery van careens out of control down a busy sidewalk. The driver of the van has suddenly died, but the van's engine keeps pushing it forward right toward a young boy and his dog. Luckily, this chaos is making a lot of noise. 
Daredevil is nearby so he can use it to rush in and save the day. With only seconds before the van strikes the boy and his dog, Daredevil swings in and whisks the boy out of the way. But in the confusion, the boy loses his grip on the dog's leash, and scared, the dog breaks out of his harness and flees the scene. As a crowd gathers near Daredevil and the rescued boy, the man without fear realizes that the boy is blind, and his dog, Skipper, is his guide dog. And the boy is an emotional wreck, because that's his freedom and, of course, that's his friend and guide dog. Knowing a bit how the boy feels, Daredevil vows to find the lost pooch. A police officer reminds Daredevil that New York's a big place. There are a lot of places a dog can go, and there's a lot of dogs in New York. Despite that, Hornhead searches relentlessly throughout the day and into the late night. Let me stop there and talk about this setup. We jump into the story. There's no real slow build, nothing of that sort. Of course, we have 10 pages, so, well, that's the way it has to be done. We need to compress this and it's done well. We begin with the van barreling down that city sidewalk, people are scattering, and this poor boy has no idea. All he's hearing is chaos. He's directly in the path of this van and has no idea what's coming towards him, and the dog, of course, seeing this, is barking at it. And Daredevil's entrance into the story is glorious. We have two really great panels. The first is a panel of Daredevil surveying the scene with his radar sense. We have interconnected circles, one set emanating off the boy and his dog, the other off of the van. Looks gorgeous. The second panel shows Daredevil's billy club line wrapping around the face of a gargoyle. It's a really great, slow reveal. And this leads to a wonderful shot of Daredevil swinging. Freeman is very much ahead of his time, just a notch. He's taking the Miller aesthetic, but he's bringing his own style to the table. And the style is retroactively reminiscent of John Romita Jr., before John Romita Jr. had his run, or before, really, Romita Jr. even developed the style he's known for. Freeman is an artist that is probably more commonly known for the series Black Orchid with Neil Gaiman, a couple of mature reader titles over at DC. He conveys a lot of emotion in this, which is kind of a word you're going to hear me say quite a bit, because emotion is important in storytelling. For example, as the dog runs away from the scene, you actually feel bad. You can tell the dog's scared, the dog's confused, which is a weird place to focus. However, when you think about the fact that, really, the rule of thumb in movies is avoid hurting animals. And the reason for that is the audience would react more to a dog getting shot than to something happening to a human. I'll give you a great example. Turner and Hooch. A lot of people got shot in that movie. And we've gotten used to action elements in movies and this happens, but when Hooch, spoiler, gets shot... Well, it's an ice pick to the heart. So the reader is drawn into that dog. We feel pity for the dog because the poor thing has no idea what just happened. It's just scared. It has no idea what to do. Whereas a human being of relative age would realize, oh my gosh, I just almost got hit by that van. I'm processing, I'm processing. And there's a certain understanding, a certain comprehension of what has just happened. If all the details aren't in place, there's enough to go on. The dog can't reason that way. Now, coming back to the scene of the accident, though, I kind of want to point out everybody's thankful that Daredevil saved the boy. They're gathering around. Daredevil's a hero. However, that van had other people in it. You, you see their dialogue mentioning that the driver's dead. There are other people in that van, which has crashed into a pole and is sitting on its side on the sidewalk. Nobody is, seems to be concerned about those poor people in the van, which, of course, is not the focus of the story. However, it still kind of stood out to me. We're looking at the spectacle of Daredevil saving a kid and forgetting about injured persons. And so Daredevil realizes what's occurring, that this boy is blind. That's why he didn't move out of the way. And granted, it's obvious once you really put some thought to it. 
but not necessarily in your face. It's an abbreviated parallel of Matt. To point out some obvious facts, Matt Murdock was almost hit by a truck. His entire situation of being blind with his senses came from that accident. And of course, Matt being blind, well, there's a personal stake in this boy. And the reason Matt has that personal stake is, if things had been just a little bit different, this boy is who Matt could have been. That puts a personal signature on this situation. That brings a different level of understanding for Matt. And we see this play perfectly to our heartstrings. The boy is in a complete panic. Where's his dog? Where's my dog? I'm really blind without him. Daredevil is shown actually embracing the boy, calming him, which I like. He didn't just rush in, save the boy, and take off. He stopped to make sure the boy is okay. He, he relates to this boy, and he takes that time to give that human element to the boy. A comforting word, a comforting touch. And I like that you wouldn't necessarily see this with some other heroes. Captain America, maybe. But Daredevil's a man who is connected to his city and the people within it. And he's connected in a way, in this situation, that's very, very deeply personal. Daredevil wants to be a hero. And he wants to be a hero in all respects. He wants to conduct a certain level of dignity. He wants to bring a certain level of hope, a certain level of confidence and comfort to the table when he's being a hero. And sometimes that puts Daredevil in a position where the feedback of those actions, the validation of them, makes him a little bit overconfident and puts him in a position where he wants to take that to the next level. Because of that here, Daredevil makes a bold promise to find the boy's dog. It's a hard one to keep, as we're going to see. And the cop reminds us of that. We're in a big city. There's a ton of dogs in the city. How is Daredevil going to find one individual dog? We don't even know which direction the dog went. All we have is a piece of a broken harness. Let me give you a little bit of personal disclosure. I have a dog named Lucy. I love my dog to death. I love her. She's like my kid. She's a piece of my life. And I think the reason that this story stood out for me and the reason I had to talk about it was the night before I read this story, again, I found this by accident, I had a dream that my dog had slipped away from me and I was chasing her. And of course, emotions and expressions in dreams are more amplified than in real life, but I was calling out behind her, I can't lose you, I can't lose you. And there was a terror that I would never see her again if that dog turned a corner and I lost sight of her and I had no idea which direction she went. I woke up in a panic. I hugged my dog. So I was in the right emotional state to receive this story and to process it. I give you that disclosure also because this makes the story personal for me. In the way Matt saw himself in The Blind Kid, I see myself in this scenario because of that dream. And because of that, the panic of this concept terrified me. Not quite to panic attack level, but I was definitely galvanized. And I was going to finish this story because... Now I'm invested. Daredevil is essentially looking for a furry needle in a haystack. We're looking for one dog, one specific dog, in New York, a city that's huge and full of dogs. And again, we don't have that direction. In fact, we are shown quite a few different dogs, dogs of all kinds. Pampered dogs sitting on a pillow, caged dogs, guard dogs, a dog hanging with a, with a homeless man. And, well, one slightly terrifying moment, which is very subtle, apparently April O'Neil of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles fame is walking a Great Dane. And the weird thing about this panel is there's a hand in the bushes. Somebody's watching her. What the heck is that? We have no idea what happens beyond that. It's just this subtle thing. It's just this blip of a scene. And suddenly we're like, wait, 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 go back. What just happened here? Another aspect of the story that drew me to it beyond the personal stake is it says a lot about Daredevil. 
both this first half and the second half we're about to jump into. Daredevil, of course, is a superhero. He's also a lawyer. There's a lot of work that goes into both of those. There are a lot of things that he could be doing. Both relevant, non-relevant, both work-related and superhero-related, but he's looking for a dog. This promise he made means something to him. The boy looked at him as a hero. Matt wants to be the hero. He wants to make his city a better place. He cares. As a superhero, Daredevil has unique qualities. One of these is the fact that no task is really too small. Matt's a kind of guy that would, in his costume, help a lady across the road. If he comes across people trying to move a couch into the building and struggling, he'd lend them a hand. These day-to-day simple tasks Matt brings into his superhero repertoire. Because he's not just there to fight crime, he's there to make his city a better place. He's there to set an example. And sometimes, he fails at that. He's not a perfect hero. He's not out fighting Thanos. He's not punching the kingpin in the story. He's trying to do something that a hero would do, which is a simple task that would bring happiness, comfort, and a bit of hope to a young person. And we come to this point where Matt has searched for hours and hours for this dog. Judging by the way the light plays out in the first scene, this was something that started in the early afternoon and has gone on fairly late into the night. We're at mid-evening, I would guess. And we have Matt have this moment of doubt where he's starting to wonder if he can find this dog, if this is a task that he can do. He's facing the fact that for everything he can do, for everything he's capable of, every gift he has, he can't find a damn dog. This isn't an affront to his ego. It's not necessarily a affront to his pride. It's fear. The man without fear is feeling a tinge of fear. He's feeling insecure. He's feeling helpless. He has no direction to go, and he's scared that he's going to fail. The concept of being a man without fear, I think, is is misleading. That's not true for Matt. He does feel fear because he is a human being. Now, to some extent, it's a, it's a catchy title because he's blind. He doesn't see what's coming. But at the same time, he's a man that overcomes fear. He puts fear behind him. He faces fear and pushes through. Because Matt's as vulnerable to some extent as you or I. If he gets shot, he's bleeding. If he gets stabbed, he's bleeding. If he falls down, he's bruised and scratched. All it takes is one simple thing, and Matt is vulnerable. And here we see him in that vulnerability where he is facing his fear, and he's at a moment where he's going to have to push through it. It's a wonderful, wonderful scene, and Matlow's really just nailing it. So let's jump into part two and see how this plays out. The challenge of finding a single specific lost dog in the big city is looking hopeless. Daredevil does get a break as he senses a stray dog, and Daredevil, sensing the dog's fear, attacks a man trying to throw a net on the canine. Turns out this is a dog catcher for the ASPCA, who directs Daredevil to a nearby shelter for stray dogs. As Daredevil swings away, the dog catcher feels pity for any dog that would end up at that shelter, but the man without fear is too far away to hear it. At the shelter, Daredevil is shown to the pens, but the sheer tidal wave of senses emanating from all the scared, lost, and confused dogs overwhelm him. As he struggles to get his bearings, Skipper is helped out of a nearby cage by the attending vet. That's right, Skipper is at the same shelter, but Daredevil's still overcome. The remaining pieces of Skipper's harness are removed, and Skipper is led down the hall. Daredevil manages to catch the scent of the harness just as the attending vet prepares a needle to euthanize Skipper. It's not something the vet wants to do. In fact, he's sad to do it. But with no budget to run the shelter, there's no way to board Skipper. Back out in the hallway, Daredevil rushes with a nurse to stop this mistake and keep his promise to return Skipper. But when Daredevil reaches the room, it is too late for Skipper. 
The dog will not feel fear, nor anything else again. Sadly, Daredevil realizes that soon he will have to leave the shelter and tell a young blind boy who trusted him that sometimes even heroes fail. Okay, I told you up front this is a very emotional story that says a lot. And there are some of you that are probably wondering, why would you share this story, Dave? This is this is hurtful. This is sad. Well, the fact is, it affected me emotionally. And I say that with an A, affect with an A. And we can't turn our back on a story that's difficult when it says things or when it affects us. So I'm not masochistic nor sadistic, but this comic book, this 10-page story, made me cry twice, twice. And that's important because as I'm going through these Daredevil stories, I want important stories. I want stories that say something. So I say something about them. And yes, the ending is clearly not what we would have expected and not what we wanted to happen. And that's the potency of this story. It's not what we expect. So let's talk about what just happened and work our way through it. The scene where Daredevil attacks the dog catcher, I originally completely misread. I thought the dog was actually Skipper, who the dog catcher was trying to catch. And Daredevil stops that from happening, and the irony was just too much. I'm glad that was not the case. That would be a little bit too much. I think it would take away that emotion. Because Skipper's already at the shelter when this occurs. And the fact that after getting kicked in the face by Daredevil, the first thing that the dog catcher does after Daredevil releases him is comb his hair. Cute. Real cute. As Daredevil is swinging to the shelter, we see this simple shot of Skipper's scared little face, and it stabbed at my heart. A couple of years ago, there was a video that circulated of a police officer shooting a dog. It was a bad situation. I'm not going to get into the details. That video haunted me for weeks. I shouldn't have watched it. I should have known better, but it haunted me. And the thing that stood out to me was knowing how that played out. I realized I was seeing that poor dog's last moments. And the dog was completely unaware of what's coming, just sniffing around. Things escalated. And I got that when looking at Skipper's scared little face, completely unaware, especially in the second read-through. I didn't so much in the first one, because I actually thought that this was going to have a traditional ending. Mantlo and Freeman are taking our hearts and playing with them, not in a mean way. They're telling an important story. They're telling an important lesson. But in order to communicate that clearly, they have to hurt us. They have to take us to a place where we are emotionally compromised to a certain extent. And they succeed. They both succeed. Not just that, but when Daredevil walks into the pen, the overwhelming sense of fear greets him. Pheromones on the dogs, the sounds, the motions. Again, Daredevil has the ability to face fear. He's not a man without fear. Let's be clear. That's a great moniker, but he only earns it because he faces it and pushes through it. Having said that, Daredevil can feel the fear in others. Heartbeats, sweat, trembles. If it's one-on-one, -on -one, it's one thing. He's prepared for it. When it's unbridled, when the... Subject doesn't comprehend what's happening, such as these dogs. They don't know where they are or what's happening or what's about to happen, sadly. It must be like somebody is standing on Daredevil's chest. It has to be that overwhelming, and Daredevil just has to get out. And it's these seconds that cost Daredevil. It's these little things, it's these misdirections that cost Daredevil the day. And I got more lumps in my throat as I see Skipper's collar getting taken off. And the poor dog is unaware, he's scared. Early in the story, it's mentioned that service animals are trained a specific way. They're trained not to run away. However, Skipper is new. He's a new service animal, so it's it's the training is there, but it's not practiced. 
Which makes this story hurt a little bit more that with a bit more time and seasoning, this never would have occurred. And of course, we thought we knew where the story would go. We have certain expectations. The normal expectation for a story such as this is Daredevil gets to Skipper just at the last second. He's able to get the dog back to the boy. All is well. But no, this is not a happy ending. It's not the ending we want. And before I jump into commenting on that, I just want to point out, it's easy to look at the vet who's euthanizing the dogs as a villain. That's not true. That is not true, because presented here, he seems to genuinely hate this. He seems to care about Skipper. He's comforting Skipper in his last moments. And the vet is commenting that why do people raise dogs if they don't want to keep them, which is true. I'm not going to get all Bob Barker up here, spay and neuter your pets, but at the same time, well, spay and neuter your pets. Be aware. Having said that, I just want to point out, that's not a villain. There is no villain in this story. The vet is simply doing a job that he has to do. He's compassionate about it, and the act of euthanization in this case is painless. And unfortunately, as we find out at the end of the story, Skipper's not the only casualty of the day. There are several dogs lined up um, in the baskets. Again, there's no villain. And yet, this emotion that we feel from this story is very real. The fight that Daredevil faces is very real. Very, very real. There's no kingpin, no bullseye, just what would seem a simple task. And Daredevil fails. Daredevil fails. Despite all his best efforts and intents and striving to be a hero, Daredevil does not succeed today. It's an important lesson to take away. Marvel was predicated on superheroes that buck the establishment. The Fantastic Four were completely different than the Justice League. The Hulk was a train wreck. Daredevil is a impaired hero. This story embodies that and more. It's a stomach-wrenching finale that uh, it leaves me with tears in my eyes. And it's difficult to talk about because I'm just sitting there. And bear in mind, I'm, I'm at work when I do this on, on my lunch break. So I'm sitting at work in the lunchroom, tears in my eyes, my jaw just dropping open. It's not what I expected. And we realize with these final captions that Daredevil really is a human hero. He's an imperfect hero. And he's going to have to face the music on this. He made a promise that he wasn't able to keep. And it hurts. It hurts the character. We feel for Matt. We feel for the boy. We feel for the vet. And of course, we feel for Skipper. The point is, we feel this. We know this emotion. Maybe not on this level, but we know this emotion. We, being humans, know what it is to fail. Let me move into my final verdict and and kind of expound on these ideas. When I was 11 years old, we found this baby rabbit in a hole. Uh, the mother rabbit had, I don't know if it abandoned it, but it was alone. So we would bring it lettuce and things like that, keep it, uh, keep it alive. One day while playing in the yard, we just hear this squealing as a cat ran by and realized the cat had the baby rabbit in its mouth. We chased the cat to its hiding place under a deck and managed to distract the cat just long enough for the rabbit to run and get away. The rabbit had a chance. Unfortunately, I happened to be standing in the wrong place. The rabbit saw me, it got scared, it dodged right, and that was right back into the cat's mouth. That was a very real failure to me. I felt I felt guilty, I felt worthless. I felt that I had caused that. If I hadn't been a factor, the rabbit would still be alive. Still makes me extremely uncomfortable to talk about that. Even though, as an adult, as a rational thinking adult at that, it was just circumstance. There wasn't anything I could do. I didn't know the rabbit was going to go that way. It's still a potent emotion. It's a real emotion, and it's what this story represents. Even though we don't have a villain, 
the effect of this story is every bit as devastating as getting walloped by the kingpin. The fact is, we relate to this type of emotion because we all fall short from time to time. Whether it's at work, we fail somebody we love, it's a very real emotion. And what we do is we just keep going. We have to own it. We have to live with that. Daredevil is going to have to live with this. And the next time something of this comes up, so next time he decides to make a promise, he's going to have to really weigh if he's capable of coming through. And truthfully, just the, the sheer audacity of the story to really take you to this point and to present it in a way that doesn't pull punches. Again, Daredevil is standing in a room with the corpses of, of dogs that have been euthanized that day. The audacity of doing that and allowing the story to affect the reader and affect the character is something you may not find today. This is a very superb story. It's sad. It's hard to read. I wish I hadn't been in public when I read it, but it's a great accidental find. Freeman's art is above board, and Mantlo is delivering a hard knock story with no villain and something Daredevil can't punch to resolve. And it asks the question, what is a hero? What is a hero? And really, the answer this story presents is it's somebody who helps another despite the odds sometimes. Daredevil's ready to step up, even though the odds are completely, totally, absolutely against him. What we're looking at is a simple search for a lost dog. However, for the boy, it represents his freedom and his friendship, a pet, somebody who is dear to the boy. And the boy, of course, being an analog, was chosen very well and presented very well. It's not something that jumps out instantly, but it is a little obvious when you take a second look at it. Matt is trying to help the boy that could have been him. And that makes the failure that much worse. Some stories are difficult to read and difficult to digest. That doesn't mean we should run away from them. It doesn't mean we should shun them. It means sometimes the message a difficult story presents is its importance. And this one, well, suffice it to say, it presents something that you and I can deal with. But we're looking at it through the safety glasses of a superhero. Truthfully, this is one of the best and probably most overlooked Daredevil stories ever. It encapsulates a lot of what Daredevil is, a flawed hero, a human hero, and a hero that doesn't always do the right thing, despite his intent, and sometimes fails. It's a very strong, strong theme that plays directly into that character. As I mentioned, Daredevil has to face a certain level of fear. There's got to be a fear in going to tell the boy that he failed. The boy's view of Daredevil will drop a little. The boy's freedom will be gone, and Daredevil's going to be left with these questions. Should I have promised this? What could have been? And the fact is, they're not questions that are going to get answered. It's haunting, and it's something where, of course, Daredevil's going to carry this around. The next time a scenario like this comes up, who knows what Daredevil will do? If you get a chance to check out Marvel Fanfare number 7, again, it's not a graphic story, but it has scenes that are very emotional. But if you find it, give it a read. You could probably find this for a good price. And again, it's on Marvel Unlimited. Pop it open at some point. It's a very potent, potent story. And it's amazing that a 10-page story not only made me cry twice, but left me haunted as I slept through the night. I thought about it for the rest of the day as I laid in bed. And sometimes it's the small things that make a big difference, such as searching for a dog and helping a friend. And maybe that's the lesson to take away. We can't all be superheroes. We can't all swing from rooftops. But sometimes, just sometimes, we can attempt to help somebody. And even if we fail, it's more important that we get back up again and keep trying to help another person. We're all in this together. As cheesy as that sounds, it's true. But that wraps up this rainy day episode of Dave's Daredevil Podcast. I want to thank you for joining me. And the show, of course, will be back next Sunday in seven days. Until then, as per usual, 
Justice may be blind, but it can see in the dark. He is the one that can a man without fear. Never far away whenever danger's near. There's never fight for what is right. You have been listening to Dave's Daredevil Podcast, which can be found at daredevilpodcast.com. You can subscribe to the show via the RSS link, iTunes, and other podcatchers. Or stream it on the Stitcher app, which gives you instant access to a wide range of audio programs. Email for the show can be submitted to dave at daredevilpodcast.com or through the website's handy contact form. The show is on Facebook. Simply search for Dave's Daredevil Podcast. And I am on Twitter as well. My username is at Dave Weeder. Weeder is spelled W-E-T-E-R. Daredevil and other Marvel characters are copyright Marvel Comics. Any music or sound clips are used for entertainment purposes only, and no infringement is intended. This show earns no money and exists solely for entertainment purposes only. I am J. David Weeder. Thank you so much for listening. Oh, he must hide his sadness. Fight for